0: good morning everybody thanks for being here this morning my name is Tom and I am the lead pastor here at Crossroads hey I just wanted to thank everybody who came out to a trivia night on Friday night at hub and spoke restaurant it was an amazing night even though my team came in second still an amazing night um David oh you gotta go throwing tiebreakers at me right but David and Amanda and Ed and a bunch of the ringers they brought in, um, they ended up winning. So it was, a, it was a great night. And we raised some, some money for, uh, for local charity in the, in the process. So thanks for coming out to that. Um, I want to start with uh, a little bit of an activity. And so I'm going to apologize up front. This might make some of you a little bit uncomfortable. But this is, everybody around you is friendly. They're all glad you're here, right? So here's the deal. Um, when I was a kid. This is going to date me, right? There used to be these things called KTEL Records, <laughs> right? And um, they were often greatest hits, compilations of different types, of, different types of, of music. And to show you how long ago this was, when I would order one, it would take six to eight weeks for it to get there, six to eight weeks. We freak out now when our Amazon package isn't there in, in 48 hours. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want you guys to just, next to the people around you, I want you to have a conversation, get in a debate, an argument. Um, Three questions, all right? Greatest hit, greatest party song ever, greatest breakup song ever, greatest road trip song ever, okay? Go ahead. Hello. So you're looking for your greatest party song, greatest breakup song, greatest road trip song. Keep going. All right, take two more minutes and wrap up your conversations. All right, let's wrap up those conversations. Which means I'm going to start talking shortly. That's okay. I asked you guys to talk amongst yourselves. That's what I get. You be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. All right. Greatest party song of all time. What'd you come up with? What? Cooling the gang what? All right. Dancing on the ceiling. September, Earth, Wind and Fire. Okay. Any anybody anybody from the '90s? Little uh, jump around. House of Pain. I got booed. Oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. How about a breakup song? Wait, wait, wait. Jim, Jim pulled me aside. You gotta say it. he gave me a Linda Ronstadt song. Different drum, Linda Ronstadt. All right, Ray, what were you saying? i should have brought you flowers since you've been gone i will survive wait wait hang on you lost that love and feeling that could be it right there all right last one road trip song life is i think like life is a highway right Bohemian Rhapsody? Was that Gabe? <laughs> On the road again. All right. Good work, you guys. Give yourselves a round of applause. All right, so you could, you could argue, debate, discuss for a long time about the greatest hits, right? Without argument, um, the, the songbook of the Bible is the book of Psalms, right? And that's, um, that's our teaching series for the next six weeks. It's the greatest hits of the book of Psalms. This is a, a collection of, of writings that we're gonna look at one Psalm per week every six weeks leading up to Easter. And we're gonna look and see what they have to say about God and about us and about, about this, this life. So what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna give you a crash course in the entire book of Psalms and then we're gonna look specifically at chapter one. So we got a little bit, little bit of ground to cover, but we'll, we'll get it done. So the first thing, my slides aren't behaving here. Virginia, can you help me? There we go, thank you. How about the next one? All right, cool. So the structure of the book of Psalms itself, right? There's 150 Psalms. The whole book of the book of Psalms is actually divided up into five smaller books. Scholars tell us that those five smaller books kind of align with the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And sometimes those books in older translations of the Bible are actually called, the uh, the first 41 chapters of Psalms, called Genesis. Within those, um, we have authors. uh, We have kings. We have prophets. We have priests. We have worship leaders. We have some of them. We don't know who the authors were. The earliest one that we have was written like three thousand ish years ago, and they were compiled into the collection that we have now around the fourth century bc right so the whole the, as the, the hundred and fifty psalms as we have them uh, were were complete by for uh, the fourth century BC within Virginia next slide, please so uh, within the book of Psalms, there's several different types of Psalms. The most, most common is uh, what would be called a lament, right? And in a lament, the author, the psalmist, cries out to God for help. But it's not just a cry for God for help, it's a cry for help with a recognition of God's ability to meet that need, that want, that hurt, that desire. And the psalmist ends up leaving that pain or, or that concern at the feet of God and walks away. Confident that God is going to take care of it. Um, the second most common one is a a hymn, and within the hymns there are things like uh, uh, songs of praise for God, for who He is, for the the things that that He does, everything that we spent the months of November, December, and January talking about, and for the things that God um, that God does, uh, His you know His creation and and how He how He works. There are also um, uh, psalms of confession the psalmist the author will have screwed up and sometimes really really screwed up and they come to God with broken spirits and contrite hearts and they confess what they've done wrong and they, they walk away relieved of that burden because of God's faithfulness because they know God is for forgiving um, there's books of a those are specifically written for uh, ancient festivals when people were traveling to Jerusalem they would sing these when they got to the temple they would sing these there are um one of the psalms we're gonna the psalm we're gonna look at today is considered a wisdom psalm there's actually only three wisdom psalms one 19 and 119 and the wisdom psalms talk about god's word and how awesome god's word is and and as a result of the awesomeness of god's word we fall that much more in love with it um so the type of literature that the psalms are i call it a songbook right as with all songs all songs I think all songs would be considered poetry, right so the the poetry of of uh, ancient Israel is different than our Western poetry. Our Western poetry is based on rhyme and meter, and I know i 'd said the word poetry, and I just lost about seventy percent of you right Hang with me this is i 'm um, like I had terrible experiences with poetry growing up. it was like my worst academic it was just i have like I still have like the stress dreams about poetry and that kind of stuff so um, But this will be pleasantly surprising, I promise. Okay, so just hang hang with me. The poetry of the Bible is different in our Western poetry in that it's not based on rhyme and meter. It's based on things like um, terseness. Each line of a psalm is three or maybe four words in the original language. Uh, It's based on imagery, really, really heavy use of simile and metaphor. And it's based on something called parallelisms. Right, where the first line is compared to the next line synonymously. right? It might be the exact same thing, just with a different, different way of looking at it. Um, antithetically, line one is black, line two is white. Uh, it could be an advancing parallelism, where the thought kind of builds on itself. And I'm not going to get too heavy into all of that, because I will point out examples of it when we look at Psalm 1. So it's, um, it's more... You might access it easier by having, by way of example, the structure of the Psalms themselves is also super, super important. And we're going to look at that as we dig into Psalm 1. How'd I do? Crash Course in Psalms. You guys tracking? All right. I really want this button to work. I keep pushing it, and it's not working. All right. Because I'm going to put it down. No way. I stopped pushing it. Because the Psalms were written over the course of a thousand years by several different people um, in, under many different circumstances, it's hard to ascribe a specific theme to the book of Psalms. But at a high level, we might be able to say, in humility, trust, and worship, we come to know God as worthy in all circumstances. That's our big idea for the whole series, the whole next six weeks. In humility, trust, and worship, we come to know God as worthy in all circumstances. We're going to shift gears now and we're going to dive into Psalm 1. So I'm just going to I'm going to read it for you and then we're going to break it down. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers not so the wicked they are like chaff that the wind blows away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction all right so we're going to dive into this and we're going to start looking at some of the some of the pieces that we talked about And the first thing we do is we're going to look at imagery. We have these contrasting images of a tree and chaff, right? A tree is firmly planted. It is rooted in the soil, right? And if it's healthy, it's not going anywhere. And the tree in this psalm is is healthy, and it's rooted, and it's stable. Chaff, on the other hand, the slightest wind comes up. So chaff, rewind a second. Um, In agriculture, when you separate the usable part of wheat from the non-usable part of wheat. The chaff is like, the next thing up there is useless. right? There's nothing to be done with it. The way they would separate it out, they would throw the grain on the ground, animals would walk over it or they would roll over it with the millstone, it would separate the two parts out and then they would throw it up into the wind and the wind would take the useless part away and they'd be left with the part that was usable for food. Trees rooted, planted, chaff blown away. What's left, the the tree, bears fruit, right? It's good, it's useful, it's productive. Chaff, throw it away. And the, the last one, the tree is well watered, planted by streams of water. The chaff is dried out and used. We have this juxtaposition, this comparison of these two vastly different things. Next slide, please. All right, so the structure of the psalm itself. In the first... Three verses talks about the person who is blessed, the person who's walking in the way of the Lord. The next two verses are talking about people who choose differently, who are walking a different way, walking away from God. And then the last verse, first line, blessed, second line, those who are walking away from God, those who are not blessed. Again, so we have this juxtaposition of the way of the Lord and a different way. Repetition. I say this a lot. The Bible, when the Bible wants to make a point, it will repeat things. Several key words that were repeated in this psalm, right, were wicked, way, and law. And we're going to pay attention to those. Sometimes it's not the specific words, but it's the ideas. And we're seeing this idea of these two contrasting ways being repeated again and again. Go ahead. Inclusio. This is one of my new favorite words right? Inclusio means bookends, the beginning and the end of something. If you look at Psalms, often they contain these inclusios. The first word, blessed. The last word, destruction. These two different ways. The entire book of Psalms is enclosed in an inclusio. Psalms one and two talk about God's way and God's king, and at the end, Psalms 146 through 150 are praises of God's way and God's king. The books themselves are encapsulated in inclusios. Psalms 1 and 2 in book 1, Psalms 40 and 41, both emphasize the same things and bookend those 40-some-odd chapters. It's an important thing. It can get lost if you're not paying attention, if you don't, if you don't slow down. I've been, like, banging this drum a lot over the last couple months, that we as a community, that we as individuals would slow down. And my temptation, when I read Psalms, I'm like, typically me, I like to get a lot of things done. I'll look at like, oh, six verses. I can get this done. I could probably read like three or four Psalms in the same amount of time I could read one. Slow down. There is so much to be found in each each one of these Psalms. Next slide, please the Jesus connection. There are two ways that Psalms, that we see the Jesus connection in Psalms. And the first one is something called typology. And the Psalms that are listed up there, uh, 16, 22, 110, they point directly to Jesus. You can almost look at them and be like, there's no way those were written hundreds of years before Jesus lived and, and died and was resurrected because it speaks so clearly of who he is. The other way that there's a Jesus connection in these Psalms is through analogy through analogy to Jesus himself, through analogy to his teaching. And in Psalm 1, we see an analogy to Jesus' teaching. If you look at Psalm 1 and you hold it up against Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7, sometimes called the Sermon on the Mount, you see incredible, incredible similarities. Psalm 1 starts with blessed is the one, right? Sermon on the Mount starts with blessed and goes through the Beatitudes, peacemakers, those who suffer, like, right? That's a similarity. Another similarity is their their focus on the law in Psalm 1. The one who delights in the law, the one who meditates on the law day and night. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says he's the fulfillment of the law. He talks about the security of those who follow the law. In Psalm 1, we, we see reference to the tree bearing good fruit. Right, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that you will recognize a tree by its fruit. And lastly, is this idea of these um, opposite ways. So in, in the Psalm 1, we see the way of the blessed and we see the way of the wicked. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the narrow way and the wide way. And that, next slide please, that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time on this idea of the way. You could, Psalm 1 is one of the Psalms that does not have a title. Many of the psalms have titles and authors and descriptions. Psalm 1 and 2 do not. We could, we're not going to add to it, but just um, in content, you could look at Psalm 1 and say this, this psalm, we could call this the way, and that's what we're going to focus the rest of our time on. The original followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. Jesus called himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Scripture also tells us that there is another way that competes with the way of Jesus. Could I have uh, Proverbs 14 up there, please? There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. This, by the way, um, this little digression, this is my life in a nutshell. Right? There's a way that appears to be right before. I came to faith in Christ. I chased after all the stereotypical cliché things of the world, right? Girls and party parties and and money. And fortunately, God found me and he pulled me in and 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 showed me that those chasing after those things were empty empty pursuits. And they would not fill the void that was in my heart and in my mind and in my soul. And I came to faith in Christ and and Thankfully, he took the desires for those things away from me. And as I've grown older, I've, but I continue to wrestle with this, this way that seems right. There's this way that kind of is there and it's around us all the time. And now it's um, trying to please people rather than please God. Now it's, it's, it's seeing my, my identity in, in my achievements versus my identity in Christ. And we'll see in a little bit that, um, that God is gracious and faithful and patient, and he provides these, go- these guardrails that I'm going to point out to us throughout Psalm 1 that keep, um, that keep us on, on the, the, narrow, the narrow way. All right, next slide, please. So there are, like I said, there are two ways. Two ways presented in Psalm 1. Jesus presents two ways. Scripture presents two ways. And I'm just going to give really high-level bullets to help us get our brain around what those two ways are to help us think about them. We think about Jesus' way, and maybe one of the most striking things about the way of Jesus is that suffering is not something to be avoided. Scripture tells us that when we identify with the sufferings of Christ, when we share in his sufferings, it builds us into the people that we were created to be. It roots out the stuff that's not supposed to be there, and it makes Christ more in us. Not only that, but When we share in Christ's sufferings, it prepares for us greater and greater future glories when we're with him in in eternity. The world would say suffering is something to be avoided. Suffering is bad. If you're suffering, you've clearly done something wrong and you deserve it. Very, very different ways. Second thing I would point out to you is a view of the view of reality right on the on the way of Jesus he's the one that defines reality he's the one that dictates right and wrong he's the one who points us in the way that we should go in the way that seems right that surrounds us <clears throat> the we you'll very very common phrase you'll hear these days is live your truth find your truth and live your truth be your best authentic self, you figure out what it means what's right and wrong. You determine what that is personally. Um, I get the suffering thing i, I don't 'm not a big fan of suffering. I'll move, move on from that as quickly as I can um, but the, the defining reality that one uh, that one eludes me, and maybe it's just because i 'm not that smart. I would not want to be the one that sets the stage for everything and determines what's right and wrong and and how to how things, how things should work. And the, the last one that, um, that I'll point out to you, we have, um, we have suffering, we have this view of reality, and we have the contrasting emotions and actions that go along with hate and with love. Jesus tells us to love those who hate you and pray for those who persecute you. The world tells you somebody hates you, hate them back and get other people to hate them with you. Almost at every turn, these two ways are diametrically opposed to each other. With that being said, it is only natural that questions would arise. Next slide, please. As we pursue life with Jesus and we read the Bible and we open up the Bible and we look at it and we say, okay, the Bible says this. The way that seems right says that. Jesus did this. The way that seems right does that. What what am I supposed to do? It is 100% okay to ask questions. Your your walk with Christ, it the, the way of Jesus is paved with questions. I'm going to use that phrase a little bit today. The way of Jesus is paved with questions. And Jesus is okay with questions. In the Gospels, um, I'm so thankful that there's the internet and that there are people who have all kinds of time on their hands and pay attention to stuff like this. Somebody went and counted. Jesus was asked 60-plus questions, and he answered them. He, He answered questions of his friends. He answered questions of young people. He answered questions of old people. He answered questions of his enemies. He answered questions of men. He answered questions of women. He would answer people's questions. And he wouldn't make people feel badly about their questions. What was amazing about Jesus, one of the many things, is that he could look into a person and see where they were, and he would answer their question in exactly the way they needed it to be answered. If somebody needed a kick in the butt, he would kick them in the butt with the answer. If somebody needed to be hugged, he would hug them, metaphorically, with the answer. Questions are, are absolutely okay. And let me, let me say this. If you, if you have a, like, if you're struggling with a question, if you have about your faith and um, you don't pursue it, it will, it just becomes an obstacle, right? You'll, you'll resent the fact that it's there. You'll worry about the fact that it's there. Open up the pages of scripture. Ask somebody around you. Ask God. Come to God with your questions. Questions are okay, the New Testament reminds us of that. Virginia, can you put up that Philippians passage, please? Therefore, my dear friends, as, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. To work out, right? That's that's asking questions. That's another way of saying ask questions. To work out your faith with fear and trembling doesn't mean you earn your relationship with Jesus, right? Jesus does the hard work in his life, his incarnation, his life, his death, his resurrection. Jesus did the hard work. Our work is to join him in, churchy word, the sanctification process, right? In our growth in Christ likeness. That's, that's how we work. And one of the major ways that we do that is by asking questions. Next slide, please. Your, your, your. Some translations say your own. Each one of us need to pursue our faith and we need to own our faith, right? I don't care how old you are, you cannot live on the faith of your parents. You cannot live on your pastor's faith. You cannot live on the faith of your community group leader or your youth group leader. You cannot live on the faith Of your friends because when your faith gets pressured and it will get pressured it will come undone if you don't own your faith ask questions make your faith your own by asking those questions next slide please God who works in you right your questions are not are not an indication that you are on the outs with God They're not an indication that you are losing your faith. God has placed in each person this desire for things of him, and we chase after things to fill that desire, and for whatever reason, well, I know it's sin, we go after all this other stuff instead of him, but he's the one that places that desire in us. He's the one that creates this search in us for him, and he's the one that built questions as part of this process. Virginia, can you go back three slides to the yellow text? Jesus in the Bible can handle questions. It's insecure Christians who struggle with questions. Listen to me, if you, um, if you have a question, and you ask somebody that question, and you feel discouraged or dismissed or talked down to by the answer, that you got or because you asked that question please 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 find somebody else to ask go to the bible yourself do your homework do not let somebody who is struggling do not let a person who cannot handle a question deter you from asking questions Does that makes sense please don't please don't do that have the courage and I'll apologize because I know I've answered questions poorly in the past that have, that have been a, a, an obstacle to people. Um, and I'm sure I'll do it again in the future, not intentionally, but I will also apologize for others who have done that. All right, uh, jump ahead four slides, Virginia. Where are we at? We're coming out of Philippians. We finished the Philippians verse. So the, the questions, right? It's okay to ask these questions um, this is, we're going to dive into the, the meat of Psalm, Psalm 1 now. We have the, these two diametrically opposed ways, and they're so different that questions are bound to arise. And as we take steps of faith on the way of Jesus, questions are a big way to propel us through that way. And I talked about those guardrails, right? I talked about, about my, my experiences and just like being drawn to the way that seems right, questions are also a part of my experience. And I have <clears throat> just recently um, in, the, in, the, in the news and just we read all too often, we see all too many stories of Christian leaders who are falling or are walking away from their faith. Or, um, and I think part of it is because they feel like they can't... Um, they can't have questions, right? Just because the idea of having questions is not reserved for people who are new to their faith. It's not reserved to people um, who, you know, people who consider themselves leaders in this community, leaders in the church, can have questions, right? The last, the last five years of my life have brought about some of the most intense questioning of God and my faith that I've ever experienced, and my questions have been really short, too, just really short and really intense. Like, why and, and how long? It is, it is okay to have questions, right? But it's the, it's the guardrails of things like Psalm 1 that keep us, when we're asking these questions, that keep us on the way of Jesus. All right, so here we go, diving into Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or take or sit in the company of mockers. Parallelism, right? Synonymous parallelism. All different ways to refer to people who are on the way that seems right. Next slide, please. Walk, stand, sit. Advancing parallelism. This is, these are all different ways to describe the nature of a relationship. I was thinking about, this this like, kind of blew my mind when I, when I stopped and I slowed down and I, I thought about this. The nature of a relationship. If you walk by somebody like, hey, how's it going? And you just keep going, right? That's like an acquaintance. If you're walking down the street, hey, hey, how's it going, what's new? And you stop and you stand with somebody. That's another level of a relationship. You bump into somebody, hey, oh my gosh, let's, you, you got time for coffee, let's sit down, let's, let's catch up. You sit with somebody, there's any, it's any, another, another level of relationship. So within this verse, we have this, this synonymous parallelism of sinners and mockers and scoffers, and we have this advancing parallelism of walk and stand and sit. No matter the depth of your relationship with somebody who is on the way that seems right, put another way, not on the Jesus way, there's, there's no depth of relationship that you can have with that person that will help point you towards Jesus. Right? You, uh, let, me, let me finish this. I'm not telling you not to engage with people who are not following Jesus right? Because the opposite, the inverse of this is very true. You can, as a follower of Jesus, point someone to him. But if you're looking to people who are not following Jesus to help you follow him, they will lead you in the wrong direction. Next slide. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Delight in this verse means actually desire. Right? That's actually a prayer that I pray for myself, that God would increase my desire for his word. That he would build in me this want, this insatiable need to read his word. Meditate, in this verse, means to memorize and to read aloud. A lot of the, the structure of the Psalms are such that they were written to make them easier to memorize. Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the book of Psalms. It's 172 verses, I think. Follow the math on this. Ready? There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 eight verse stanzas in Psalm 119. Each one starts with an advancing letter of the Hebrew alphabet, right? So as people were trying to memorize this 172 verses, they knew. That it was building on itself. The next stanza was gonna start with the next letter. And the Psalms use all sorts of neat little neat little tricks like that. But the idea of meditating, reading aloud, and memorizing scripture was important, is still hugely, hugely important. David and Amanda didn't pay me for this, but their group is gonna do some scripture memorization, right? They're gonna they're gonna work on the actual process of memorizing scripture. So if that's something that you're interested in or something you think ah, I can't I would never be able to do that please talk to David and Amanda it's it will be well worth your while to figure that out I owe all the other group leaders plugs I'll work on it I promise <laughs> uh, next slide the person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers okay again advancing parallelisms fruit and season Leaf does not wither, prospers. Fruit in season. The tree does what it's supposed to do when it's supposed to do it. Right? That's the person who has a growing desire for the law of the Lord, who meditates on it, who's on the way of Jesus. Here's, and this was also kind of mind-blowing to me when I had this realization. I was, The leaf does not wither. On the way of Jesus, even, even when things are bad, even when things are hard, when things are terrible, when feels like life is falling apart, the person who is on the way of Jesus, who is planted by streams of water, who is engaged with the Bible, who is asking questions, they're still going to do what they're supposed to do. Right? If that tree is, whatever whatever's happening to that tree on the outside, it's rooted, it's grounded, it's not going anywhere, and it's still Gonna bear fruit even when things are hard. Whatever they do, prospers. Prosper. Um, the original language, prosper, is it means that the the thing, its original intent is fulfilled. You and I were created for relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what we were created to do. This tree that's planted by the water is gonna fulfill that purpose. Whatever we do prospers. Next slide, please. And sorry, I didn't, I didn't put it up there I didn't, for time's sake, but the, the next verses juxtapose what happens to um, the, the chaff, right? The person who's on the way that seems right. The, um, the way that seems right, right? When things get hard, There, the spirit of the age, social media, regular media, whatever, zeitgeist, whatever you want to call it, is not going to have your back. When things get hard, the way that seems right is not going to be there for you. On the way of Jesus, when things get hard, that's when Jesus is at his best. Over and over and over, we read things in scripture like, When I'm weak, then he is strong, right? Put our burdens on him. We don't get any promises like that from chasing after the things that I chased after, girls and parties and money, or identity and achievement, or approval of people. None of that support is there. On the way of Jesus, we have the support of God himself. We have the support of our brothers and sisters. We have the support of the Holy Spirit who is God himself living inside of us all right for the lord oh no no i'm not done i didn't even cover that one I was just a complete digression for the lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction watches over it means to know intimately the god of the bible already knows the questions that you have he already knows the struggles that you have He knows the dreams that you have. But here's the beautiful thing. He also, he built the way. He knows the potholes that are in front of you. He knows the sharp turns. He knows the oncoming traffic. He knows the beautiful winding mountain pathways. He knows the summit experiences. Being intimately known by the one who knows everything is a beautiful thing. It's one of those guardrails that keeps us, when we have questions, that keeps us tracking towards towards Jesus. Okay, Virginia, now you can go to the next slide. The way of Jesus is paved with questions. The way of Jesus is not easy, but on it you find provision, protection, and intimacy. Folks, on the way of Jesus, please ask your questions, right? The world around you, the world around me, sends very different messages than what we see the way Jesus lived and what we see in the pages of scripture. So please open up your Bibles and see what God has to say. Ask somebody who brought you here. Ask somebody who is maybe a little bit further down the road of faith than you are. Ask your questions. And as you ask those questions, the road in front of you gets paved and you sink your roots deeper in so that when it's time for you to do your thing, whatever it is that God has called you to do, as the person he's called you to be, you can do it, even when things are hard, right? As you, as you increase your desire for his word, as you meditate on his word day and night, you grow in your ability to, to weather storms, you grow in your ability to field questions so other people can come to you and ask questions, as you take those steps on the way of Jesus, protected by those guardrails, you will be blessed and you will prosper. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the gift of your word written thousands of years ago but still so, so relevant to our lives today. We thank you that you have marked out a path in front of us. We thank you that you uh, you show the way in your life, Jesus, that you cleared the way in your death and your resurrection. God, help us help us to stay focused on you as, a, as individuals and as a community. Please increase a desire for your word. God, increase our ability to, to memorize scripture, that it would sink down deep in our souls and it would guide our steps and it would shape our relationships and it would shape our community. God, that it would better enable us to love you and to love others. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Amen.